and every person that has come here to minister, they've ushered us in the next, you know, dimension, in dimensions. And I feel like really swimming right in the middle of so much, like, you know, awareness of who God is and what God can do if a man or a woman was to open up his or her heart for God to come and do a lot. Amen. Do you feel the same? Do you feel like there's an opportunity and a place for you to become everything that God has said you should become? Praise God. If not yet, uh, it's not yet over. We are still going. We are still on the journey. Today is day 26. So we have 20, oh, 14 more days to go, right? So you can pray. You can tap in that. You can open up your heart for God to... Uh, to show you, to feel you, to use you, to make you a blessing, and uh, to make you somebody that someone is praying for. Amen. Today, we are, are going to look at um, answers to the ancient prayer, to the ancient cries. Answers to ancient cries. That's the title of our sharing today. We're simply going to look at how God has answered ancient cries, like the cries that have been, you know, sounded over generations and, see, and, and, and dispensation, and how God has answered that, and uh, where we are as uh, new dispensation Christians, uh, this age is Christians, where we are at, and what has God provided for you and me. I want to begin by letting you know that the cry for God some from the righteous people and some from the unrighteous people have sounded through the generation, through ages. People have poured their hearts to the Lord. They have cried. They have let their prayers and their cries be known uh, to the Lord over the ages. So you see that uh, if you read from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you find that the longing for God has been seen in many ways, okay, including the drive to make things better in life, you know, and, and discover purpose and wanting to know the reason why man was created. So now we, you understand that throughout all these things, you discover that God created us with passion and desire and the capacity to dream and discover new things in order to make life better. God has created us with that passion, with that desire, with that drive in you and me in order to be able to discover new things and, like, and make this life better and make what God has already created, what exists, even much better. So, this passion is deeply rooted in almost every person, such that the passion to be able to see things in a new way, the passion to be able to make meaning to life, the passion to be able to understand and discover why we exist, why we were created. Everyone has got this ability, everyone has got this longing to try to make life better and also understand the meaning and the fullness of God's kingdom. And this has been leading man to one thing, discover the creator and have fellowship with him. And this has been leading us to this longing of us wanting to know really how can we be able to relate with God? How can we be able to uh, have that relationship that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden? That cup which, that the gap that sin brought about when man sinned and God separated himself from him and man was just from the garden like everyone has preached from here. There was that longing, the gap to be able to restore that relationship now between us and our creator, between us and God, there was sin as a bridge in between. And the devil, Satan, was doing his level best to make sure that that relationship is never restored. 
so that we'll feel on the other forsaken end and feel as if we cannot reach out to God and God cannot reach out to us. So now in the Old Testament, because of the same, there was no relationship between man and God. God would not come and dwell in man. God would not come and have and tabernacle, have fellowship with man. There was this thing called a mediator. Somebody had to stand in between man and God. And also this man who had to stand between man or people and God had to be closer to a certain place. That was called a temple. It was called a tabernacle. God's glory would come and dwell in the building. Not on people that God created. Remember, God did not create any building in his own image. God did not create any building in his own likeness. But who did God create in his own image? Man. Now things changed because of sin. That God had to live in the building that he did not create in his own image. Such that when man whom God created in his own image wanted to have fellowship with God, had to go to the temple and then pray on behalf of everyone else. Now, this simply means if that man was in a bad day, you have no access to meet with God. <laughs> if that man was in a bad mood, and he could not go to God and pray. If that man called the priest was sick, it means that the entire million people could not have fellowship with God. Now, now understand, we are talking about one man versus a million people. So, million people would come to one man, one person at a time will come to me and say, pray to God on my behalf because I am sick. Pray to God on my behalf because I need a child. Pray to God on my behalf because I need a husband, I need a wife, I need a job. I need this and this because we have been, we have been created with that longing, with passion to make life better. But in the Old Testament, you have no access to the originator of life. Only one man would go and have access. Now, how many... Millions of years would take for millions of people to be able to access God through one man. Now, do you understand how the agony and the cries that people do have? Because when you come, you have to come at least very early in the morning to be able to meet the priest. Otherwise, if you come at 8, you find that there are already like 5,000 people already in the queue wanting to meet the priest. So you find that you stay with your problems, you stay with your sin for so many days before you have access to the priest who has access to God. So cries in people's hearts increased. Pain, anguish increased in people's lives and people's minds because of the gap between man and God. So there has been cries throughout the Bible. And those cries were pointing on to some five things that I would like to bring in today. But I want to let you know that among all that, there's been like 153 major cries in the Bible. Like starting from uh, the Garden of Eden all the way to the time that Jesus Christ came. People were crying. Nations cried. We see some of which are, you know, like the cry, the, the most famous cry in the Bible, like in the uh, Genesis, the cry, uh, Abel's cry about justice. You know, Cain killed Abel, and the Bible says, God says, Why, where is your brother? And the man says, I'm not my brother's keeper. Where should I know where my brother is? And God says, but why is his blood crying for vengeance? I can feel, I can see your brother's blood crying. It's spilled to the ground and it is crying such that it, it caught God's heart. He says, I can feel your brother crying. I can see his blood crying for vengeance. His blood crying. You know, there's been cries in the Bible. 
Like in Noah's time, you know, sin increased. And God in his wrath, he had to send the flood. And the people died. And people, and Noah cried to the Lord. And, you know, we have Christ like in the time of Moses. The, the Bible says in uh, Exodus chapter 2, God came to Moses and says, I have seen my people's affliction. And I have heard their cries. Their, their cries have reached to me. And I am compelled to come down and save them. You know, if you go in the study about that, it's showing anguish. It's showing how hard life was. And the Bible says, God says, I have heard their cries. And I can't hold it anymore. I have to come down and do something. When we go further to the book of Judges, the Israelites would cry to the Lord. And each time they cried because of their, their afflictions, because of their taskmasters, because of, of, of slavery, the Bible says God would hear from heaven and would send a judge. So we have judges like Gideon, you know, like Deborah. We have, we have Samson. We have all these guys. They were God's answers to man's cry. God sent prophets as an answer to the cry of the humanity. So when God sent Samson, no matter how much Samson messed up, God was trying to fulfill something out of Samson. Deliverance from the Philistines. So when people cried again, God would send no matter, God would send anyone that was available, whether man or woman. That's why we see people like Deborah. The judge, a great woman who stood and she says, I, Deborah, the wife of Lapido, I saw the affliction of God's people. And being a mother in Israel, I arose to the occasion and said, God, use me today to bring deliverance to your people. And God used me. With Barak, they saw the salvation of the Lord for the people. So each time God raised up somebody in the Bible, God was answering a certain cry. God was answering the cry. Now, you know, I want us uh, to, first of all, to start with reading the Bible from uh, a certain cry and a prayer that is reflecting most of the cries that the Bible is recording from the book of Isaiah. And then we are going to focus on five cries in the Bible and how God wants to fulfill and has continually been fulfilling uh, that or the cries uh, in our time even today. Isaiah 64 and verse 1. I'm going to go all the way to 6. The Bible says, look at how it starts. All that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would tremble before you. As when the fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies. And cause the nations to quake before you. Okay? For when you did awesome things that we did not expect. You came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no, he, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You came to the help of those who gladly do right. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be served? All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. This is the prayer of God's prophet Isaiah. But this prayer is very prophetic. One thing about this prayer is very prophetic. It's capturing so much cries in his time and also reflection of more cries that were known from the time before. Isaiah says, oh Lord God, may you come down, may you rend the heavens and come down. 
that the mountains would tremble before you. In verse 3, I like what he says. He says, when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. So he's simply trying to record or bring to our attention about the life before him like his forefathers and the cries that were raised before God and how God came to answer that, those cries that people were crying to him and how God came to the rescue of his people over the time from Genesis to the time of Moses and how God has been a savior and how God has been bringing salvation from, to, to, the, to his people, to his chosen people, because of the affliction and how life was. But today, I want us to focus on the five ancient cries in the Bible. I want us to look at these cries and how God has fulfilled them. The first thing is the cry for a person. The, the cry for a person. Now, you understand that each time that people cried in the Bible, like I earlier on said, that God's answer to their cry was to send a savior. God would answer people by sending somebody who would bring an answer in that direction. So like I said, there was a gap between man and God, between people and God. So God would raise up a priest. So that that priest would stand in between man and God to be able to bring about God's presence to the people. In the time of Moses, Moses was like the reflection of God's presence. Such that he would put up the veil and when they look at him, they would see the glory of God over his life. And then they would know that the presence of God is with them. If not so, then the glory of God would be on the tabernacle. There would be a cloud in the on the church or the temple such that people will see the cloud descending so close to the tabernacle and they will know that God is here. If not so, the presence of God, the glory of God would go and cover the mountain and then they will know that God is in our midst. I can imagine how much people longed and people wanted to see that fullness, that glory, that presence of God in their lives than on the temple. Such that I sometimes get annoyed. In David's time, you know, there, there was the, the, the donkeys were carrying the ark, you know, the ark of the covenant. That's where the glory of God was and all those, you know. And one man, it wanted to fall, and one man went just to hold the ark so that it doesn't fall off of the donkeys. And God had to strike that man dead because he had to go and touch. I'm like, I am created in God's image. I am the carrier of his divine nature. But the glory of God decided to be carried by the, by the donkeys, animals, and man to help them and, because there was no access. There was a need. For a person who would come and open up the access that we can go and have free access to the Father. Now watch this. In the Old Testament, the temple were at three parts, like we know. The, you know, the outer court, the holy places. And there was a big veil that separated between where people were and where God was. The glory of God was. The holy of holies. Now... People wouldn't know. The priest would go in there to go and talk to God and then would come back here and only meet a certain class of people and then would go in the public where people are now and be able to minister to them. Okay. Now, there was a need for access to where God was, but that cry could not be answered without a person. The cries in the Bible from the beginning has been the cry for a savior. Somebody who will save them from the oppression of people and somebody that will save them from the oppression of darkness. So people didn't only need a mediator. They needed God to live among them. 
That's why at some point in, in Samuel, they said that, no, we, don't, we want to be like every other nation. We want somebody. We want a king. We want a savior. You know, it was simply a cry for a person. And that person was to come. God had that person in his mind. He was going to descend down in a human form and bring salvation to all men, to all people, that people have access to God without any mediator. Today, that cry has been answered. The Bible says God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, who was born from, from Mary, the virgin, and he grew up as every, normal, every other normal child. He, he was raised up and he died, and he's the Savior. And the Bible says that uh, before he was born, God said, his name shall be Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God with us. So if we look at Mark chapter 1, Verse 9, the Bible talks about Jesus at the age of 30, he, go, he gets baptized. And then the Bible says the beginning of good news about the Messiah, the, uh, uh, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then you know what it says there? He went to be baptized by John the Baptist. And then what, what happened was the Spirit of God came upon him. And rested upon him, and the loud voice came from heaven and says, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well placed. So God was saying, This man, Jesus, is going to be my answer to man's prayer for salvation. To man's prayer or man's cry for a savior. You know, they been crying we've been crying for salvation and got to be able to send a savior over time and over time then jesus came and the bible says in colossians chapter 1 verse 17 and i like this scripture the bible says the son of god is the image of the invisible god and it pleased god that god's fullness would dwell in him it pleased him such that his fullness would dwell in Jesus Christ. And Jesus did not go to heaven with his fullness, like to himself. He left that in us. He said that I received the Holy Spirit. And he says that if you believe in me, you will do much more than I did. Because the fullness of the Father, as he was pleased that he should dwell in me, I also feel that with you. I give you power over scorpions. I give you power over serpents. I give you power over every sickness. As you lay your hands on the sick and they'll be healed. The demons will be thrown away in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. The demons will run away because I give you that power. No, no, the Savior came to save us, not only saving us from the powers of darkness, he also came to empower us. So that we can also conquer and overcome for him. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors, church. We are more than winners because God has answered your cry and my cry through the person Jesus Christ. He's the savior of the universe. We're no longer slaves because Jesus was God's answer to a cry for salvation. Are you following are you with me today? You know, Jesus is God's answer to man's cry for a savior. Jesus is God's answer to man's cry for salvation, for redemption, for justification, for adoption, for mercy, acceptance, love. Name it, and I will tell you that God has answered all that in Jesus Christ. You and I are sons and daughters of God today because God sent somebody who died on that tree and he said, it is finished. Everyone can now have access to the Father. And you know what he did on the cross? As he was giving up his life for you and me, the Bible says, the curtain that was separating between God and the people in the temple. It was rent and open. Like Isaiah said, rend, open the heavens and come down. The Bible says the curtain was torn in between. From God's end down to man's end. From top bottom. Hallelujah. 
there is now access to the Father. That's why the Bible says, let us enter the gates with praise. Let us enter in the glory, in the courts of God, with gladness and joy of heart. Because we have now access to the Father. Because of Jesus Christ. Are you listening to this? Are you following this? There's nothing that can separate now you and God. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. That's what Paul says. What can separate you from the love of God? No devils can separate you from the love of God. Not even death, not even anger. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. God shed his love for us such that he saved us before we even knew him. He died for us before we were even good. He sent his son Jesus to come and die for you and me. Such that we should be saved and be called sons and daughters of God. And the Bible uses words like we are a peculiar nation. A holy generation. The people of God. Chosen for him, for his glory. Hallelujah. Jesus is God's answer to all our cry. What is it that you are crying for today? What is it that is making your heart bleeding today? I want to invite you to just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and he will do it with you. It will be so magical what Jesus can do. Because his blood forgives sin. And his power is able to save us from any affliction. He has sent his spirit to come and give us fellowship with him. And we are able to know the will and the mind of God. The second cry has been the cry for an open heaven. The cry for an open heaven. Like Isaiah said, all oh, that you could render an open heaven and tear apart heavens like curtains, and that you would come down, O oh Lord, and make all the mountains tremble. I want to tell you the truth. <laughs> if you are in the presence of God, if you host God in your life, all the mountains in your life will tremble. All the mountains in your heart will melt like wax. That's what the Bible says. Because when God came down, the Bible said the mountain trembled like God's and melted like candle wax. That it's, it's a picture to say there's nothing that is impossible with God. When you host God in your life, when you have a good and meaningful relationship with God in your life, I want to tell you the truth, you become so dangerous. You become so dangerous of course in a good way. Such that, you know, you got all the answers to your problems. The, the, the one that fail, does not fail, fails at nothing, lives in you. It means that you have the access and the key to be able to do just so much. He has given you power in your voice. He has given you power of command. Matthew chapter 3 verse 16, the Bible says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At the moment, heavens opened. And they saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And dwelling on him. Staying on him without leaving. It was the cry. Remember Jacob, when he was running away, when he was going to meet Esau, away from Laban, the Bible says he slept, either going, the Bible says he slept, and where he slept, when he was actually going to Laban, running away from Esau, he slept on this mountain, and he got one of the stones for, as a cushion, and he had this stream, the heavens opened, the ladder was, you know, like the angels were ascending and descending. So it brings a picture of man's cry from the ancient times. How people have been crying for an open heaven. And then that got fulfilled in Jesus Christ. When he was baptized, the Bible says heavens opened. And the spirit of God came from heaven. Descending in a form of a dove. And rested on Jesus. The spirit of God empowered Jesus for the rest of his ministry time on earth. The Spirit of God made Jesus to perform and do greater things. Raise the dead, heal the sick, uh, and, 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 and you know, bring freedom to those who were captive of heart. And he brought salvation. He did all these, thing, these things in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus lived in a constant awareness of the Spirit of God over his life. You know, the Spirit of God in you or the presence of God in you gets in you when you receive Jesus. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a child of God and the Spirit of God gets in you. But when we talk about the Spirit of God living on you or the presence of God over you or the Spirit of God over you, we are talking about God empowering you for a certain task or a certain mission. When the Spirit of God dwells on you, lives on you, sweat settles on you, God is empowering you. That's why Jesus, is it in Matthew, in Mark, Luke chapter 4 verse 18, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. So Jesus continued saying, the Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me for a task to heal the sick, bring salvation to the captives, declare the day of the Lord. Because God had anointed Jesus with, with, with the oil, with anointing, but he has also sent the Spirit of God to live on him for a specific task. So when the Spirit of God comes and settles on you, you know, he brings an open heaven over you because God will begin to look at Jesus over your life and the power, the spirit that he has put upon your life and will enable you to be able to fulfill your assignment in life. I want to tell you this thing today. Whatever is your assignment in life, you can do it. No matter how big it is, you can do it if you carry Jesus in your life. No matter how big your assignment may be in life, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, you have an empowerment and the mind of God to be able to go about fulfilling God's purpose over your life. Yes, we are human. Sometimes we may feel inadequate. Sometimes you may feel not qualified enough. You may even feel not capable. You may even feel so dirty such that you cannot have access or relationship with God. I want to tell you the truth. God has paid it all on the cross of Calvary. All you need to do is to come to God and humble yourself. He will wash you and he will empower you with his spirit such that the world will sing your name. The world will talk about you. Books will be written about you. That's what God has come to do. To make us fulfill his purpose. So there was a cry for an open heaven. And the Bible says, Jesus declared, he said, heavens are open now. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, Jesus says this, whatever, <laughs> whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth shall be lost in heaven. You know, he's talking about the relationship between earth and heaven. Heavens are open. And heaven is in agreement with your life. Hallelujah. Jesus also said that this is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, allowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May you move under open heaven in the name of Jesus. May your life move in a constant, may it move constantly under open heaven in the name of Jesus. May heaven agree with you, with your assignment on earth. May heaven fight for you wherever you go in the name of Jesus. We live under open heaven because Jesus opened heaven. He tore the curtain from top to bottom. Heaven is open. Anyone moving in the assignment of God, with the assignment of God over their life, they move under open heaven. Heaven agrees with you, meaning the kingdom of God backs you up. You are God's ambassador. Hallelujah. We have been sent out on a mission, on an assignment for God. Another cry was a cry for his presence. The cry for God's presence. Moses said, God, if your presence... <laughs> does not go with us, please do not send us away from this place. Don't send us on your mission, Lord, if your presence is not with us. There's been a cry from the beginning for God's presence. What happened when God's presence left the garden, left Adam and Eve, the Bible says that they started suffering and life was hard for them. They started killing each other. Last time when I was preaching here, I mentioned to say, when the Bible says, in the presence of God, 
there is fullness of joy. What does that mean on the other side when we say in the absence of God? Can we name what is there? If in the presence there is fullness of joy, it means that in the absence of God, away from this presence, away from the relationship with God, there is sorrow. There is sadness. There is anguish. Life is so hard. Life is meaningless. Life has no purpose away from the presence of God. Because joy, the fullness of joy is only found in the presence of God. And that has been man's cry from the beginning. The cry for God's presence. I want you to watch this uh, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 17. Like we talked about it briefly. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17. The Bible says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. I want you to follow with me. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Meaning, God has come to tabernacle with us. He's present with us. Image is something that you do not just dream about. It's something that you see, you visualize. You know? And Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Now look at verse 16. For in Jesus Christ, all things were created. Okay? Things in heaven and things on earth. Things that you see and things that you do not see. Whether thrones, whether powers, whether rulers, whether authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. For who? For him. We're talking about purpose. Verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Oh my goodness. In Jesus, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy, the headship, the authority, the power. And verse 19 says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus. And he threw him. To reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Hallelujah. Let us just put our hands together for Jesus. God has come to dwell with you and me. His presence is right with you wherever you are. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. This means that whether you feel like God is far away from you, or whether you feel that God cannot hear your prayers, whether you feel that you are so much a sinner such that you do not deserve mercy, whether you feel that you don't deserve anything good on this earth or not, I want to let you know that God is always with you. He does not turn his back on us. We are the ones that turn our back on him because we are pursuing something else. And he's saying, if you just turn, you'll find me where I am. You'll find me because God says, I am. He's always, you know, <laughs> he's everywhere. God is here right now. He's at your house. He's in your village. He's in your country. God is all over, everywhere at the same time. That's why the Bible says the system we use is omnipresent. He's everywhere at every time. His presence has filled the earth just like it filled the temple. And when you are in his presence, the fullness of God, the, the, the life of God, Will be, will be in your life and you will begin to enjoy life. We need him. We needed him to come and dwell among us. He did. And such that in Matthew chapter 18, 20 says, wherever two or three gather in my name, I am there in their midst. God is in this house this day. God is with you. God is with you. This only could mean one thing. If God is with you, it means that he is for you. <laughs> if God is with you, he is for you. 
and it's, if God is for you, it means that anything that is not from God, God will be against it because he fights our battles. If God is with you, he's with you to make all things hold together. That's what the Bible says. He holds all things together. They get their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. We get our fulfillment. We are complete in Jesus Christ. We are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Because he holds all things together. Everything was created by him and for him. Your life, my life was created by him and for him. And he holds and fulfills all things together. Because the fullness of God is found in Jesus Christ. That's why he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. If you have that understanding, you begin to live with the conscious and awareness that there's nothing, there's nothing that can overpower or overcome my life. I live with the King of Kings. The one who created heaven dwells in me. The creator of the earth lives inside of me. With that awareness, you change your life. You change the world around you. May God begin to empower you this day in the name of Jesus Christ. May God begin to fill you with that knowledge, with that growth in the spirit, with that understanding to know your position in the Lord. If you carry the God of the, the Lord of the universe, if you carry uh, the God that created everything, what is it? That can separate you from your destiny. That's why certain things for me, I just look at them and I cry. Things like demons possessing a man and making that person suffer in life. I'm like, you are just, a, just like one step away from the answer to kick that devil out of your life. By opening up your life and allow Jesus to come and dwell in you. The devil have no option. You just surrender. Demons. 5,000 of them, they said, Lord, show us where to go. Jesus didn't even speak a word. You remember that story in the Bible about demons leaving a man and getting in the pigs? Did Jesus say, come out? Do you read that? The Bible says, the presence of Jesus, he just came closer. And the demons in a man surrendered and say, Lord, have you come to send us to hell? Have you come to punish us? Is it yet time? Oh, where should we go? They begin to sabaila. We say in Bemba, sabaila. That's another Greek word for non-Bemba speakers. Demons begin to sabaila. What's the English word for that again? <laughs> you know, they begin to talk, talk. <laughs> If it, was, if it was very good in Greek, Savaila. Can you repeat after your neighbor, Savaila? Demons just begin to cry and say, Lord, where can we go? That's what happens when God is present. Everything bows down. When you host God in your life, everything will bow down in Jesus' name. Everything will bow down in Jesus. He just showed up at some point. The disciples of Jesus wanted to train and exercise, casting the demons out of that daughter's son, right? You remember that in the Bible. And they are kicking them out. And the Bible says from morning all the way up, the son was going home. And they could not kick even one demon away from that man. And then Jesus just showed up. He just walked in. Ah, maybe he was even whistling. <laughs> I don't know. With his hand in my pocket. <laughs> I, I move with him. I carry Jesus in me. Hallelujah. I feel so good to belong to his kingdom. And the Bible said Jesus just showed up. And his shadow just passed around where the man with demons was lying from morning to afternoon. And the disciples' voices were hoarse, had gone like mine. They couldn't cast out a demon. Jesus didn't say a word. He just passed and his shadow, the demons trembled and he left the paralytic. Paralytic left that boy from that time ever, never coming back. And the lady said, but your disciples have been trying to do this the whole day. <laughs> and Jesus said, you of little faith, how long, how, how many years should I be with you to be able to do the things that I do? 
But when they caught it, when the presence of God came upon them, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Peter who could not cast away one demon, what happened? His shadows raised the dead. He passed in the street, the dead were raised to life. The handkerchief came and touched him, and he healed the sick. The same Peter who could not cast away that demoniac, that paralysis in a man. One, but when? <laughs> oh, my good God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. When the Holy Spirit had come upon him, when the presence of God was so manifesting, when the power of God was at work in this man, when he got the secret of the kingdom, when he was filled with the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, Peter, the dead, they, he could not lay their hands. There were too many for his hands to heal. They would just put them in the street from Tuapia to Kitwe. <laughs> and Peter would just walk, taking a, a, a holy walk. <laughs> Can we call it a holy walk? The man was walking and the sick were healed. They would see where the sun is going so that they can follow his shadow. And when the shadow passed on the dead, on the sick, on the paralytic, on the blind, on the mute, on the barren, name it, and the shadow of Peter could heal. Man, I want to experience such kind of a life. Where I just come in this church and are whistling and everybody is healed. Imagine, that's what Jesus said. Why can't we do that? He said, if you believe, you can do much more than I do today. And if Peter, the one who could not chase out one demon, come on, I've chased out like thousands of demons before. And that time Peter could not chase out one demon. I'm like, God, how about my shadow just healing? Imagine, just go to the mortuary and just say, okay, put the spotlight facing me right here. And all the coffins line up here. I want to pass. <laughs> I just want to say, a man or a woman who is filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in them can do much more, much more, much more than man can understand. You and I have capacity and potential to do much more. Are you hearing these things? We have capacity and potential to do much more. You should not belittle yourself. You carry the king of the universe. You carry the Lord who created everything and to whom all things submit. You carry that God in your life. You have to live a God kind of life. Hallelujah. Quickly, the, the other cry is that they cry for more. They cry for more. And quickly I'm winding up. But the cry for more. In Acts chapter 4 verse 29 verse 31. The disciples prayed and say, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In verse 29 and 30, the Bible says, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly, and God backed his word with signs and wonders. You know, there's been a cry for more from the disciples up to our time. We are praying, God, we need more of you. We need more of you. More of you in our lives, oh Lord. More of you in our spirit. God, we need more of you today. If you are at a place where you do not need more of God, maybe you are living in the old anointing. You have to constantly get filled. The disciples were filled on the Pentecost day. But these guys kept on being refilled with the Spirit of God. They kept, on, they kept on being filled with fresh oil, with fresh anointing. God does not do the same thing yesterday, today, and forever. He has so much to show you. He said, come, pray to me in Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Pray, call to me. I will answer you and show you much more. There's just so much you do not yet know. There's just so much you do not yet know. God has got secrets to show you. And he wants to fill you more for him. He wants to empower you more for his kingdom. We have to be Christians where we are constantly praying, God, we want more of you. I need more of you, Jesus, in my life. The disciples were praying, God, more of you. We do not have to settle for less. 
We do not have to settle for yesterday's experience. God has got more experience to show you, to give to you. What is it that you need? That God is capable. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The last one is the cry for the outpouring. In Ezekiel, God says something. My presence, my glory will never depart away from you. God was, there's been that cry for the outpouring. In 29, he says, I will no longer hide my face from them. For I will pour out my spirit on the, all the people of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. And he says, then they will know that I'm their God and they are my people. There's been a cry for the outpouring. In Joel chapter 2, 27, Joel said, God is promising on the last day, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, on the young, on the old, on the women, on the men, on the sons, on the daughters. I'll pour out my spirit on all, play, on all flesh. Over time, there's been the cry, a cry for the, for the outpouring of the spirit of God. God is calling you. He said, I've got so much more to show you. He's the God of so much more. He's the God of so much more. And today, he wants to give you just so much more. What is it that your life is struggling with? You know, I present to you the God of so much more. I present to you the God to whom limitation does not exist. It's not even in his vocabulary. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can imagine, even measure. God is just inviting you today to so much more. Will you just stand with me?